What you need to know to start your day. The NL Morning News with Howie and Shane on 610 AM and RadioNL.com. Well, over the past weekend, RCMP's counterattack campaign in Kamloops resulting in six 90-day immediate roadside suspensions, one three-day suspension. Police also say there were three 24-hour suspensions, 20 violation tickets issued. Not sure how many of those were cannabis impairment. Don't have those numbers. New independent study in conjunction uh, with Acumen Law in Vancouver with, uh, with those immediate roadside suspensions regarding a portion of the population with acid reflux and chronic burping, which apparently can affect the breathalyzer reading, and therefore they say falsely punishing people who may not be impaired. Joined by Kyla Lee from Acumen Law. Good morning, Kyla. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about the study and, and what you believe you've uncovered. So we retained a research co to conduct an independent study of uh, about 800 adults in British Columbia to determine how often uh, they experience something called acid reflux, which is either regurgitation of stomach contents into the mouth or frequent burping and, and belching. And we found that uh, about 38% of people in BC experience this either frequently or occasionally. Okay, so it's Shane here, by the way, Kyla. Uh, so just lay there, you, you've done this study, but what does that mean when an IRP is in play? My understanding is there should be some kind of a, um, a period before they administer the test where an, an officer watches somebody to make sure that they're on the up and up and maybe they're not having acid reflux or whatever the deal is. We're not doing that. Uh, so why is this important? It's important because what happens when you burp or you regurgitate is you bring alcohol that's undigested in your stomach into your mouth and it can cause false readings. You only need one ten millionth of a gram. So if you think about a paper clip, one ten millionth of a paper clip, you only need that much alcohol to fail a roadside breathalyzer. So even a minute quantity brought up from a, an occasional burp or, or from a little bit of regurgitation can have devastating results. And they completely eliminated proper scientific procedure when they brought this scheme in in British Columbia. If you go for testing um, at the police station in a criminal investigation, they do an observation period for 15 minutes before each sample to make sure that none of this happens. But roadside, they just threw all of that to the window and focused on punishing people rather than obtaining reliable results. Kyla, do, do they not offer that observation period uh, if they and ask the driver at the time, you know, uh, have you just uh, burped? Do you have any... Uh, medical conditions that might prevent you from giving a, a, a good sample right now? And do they not offer them uh, two different machines and two different readings? They do offer two different machines and two different readings, um, and that obviously reduces the possibility of residual mouth alcohol, but it'll last in your mouth for 15 minutes from the time you burp. So if you do two tests in close proximity to when you've burped or regurgitated, both tests are going to be compromised. Two different readings lessens the likelihood of residual mouth alcohol affecting the test results, but it doesn't eliminate it in every circumstance. And the police are not required to ask you if you've burped, belched, vomited, regurgitated. They're not required to ask you when you had your last drink. There's no legal obligation on them to do this. They're trained to ask about drinking. They're not trained to ask about burping or anything else that can cause residual mouth alcohol. 
So bare bones here, Kyla, as far as you're concerned, what does this mean for people out there who may have been pulled over roadside, had an IRP administered, uh, who may now be um, experiencing the legal after effects of being declared a drunk driver, uh, but may in fact have had a flawed test? It means that as many as 38% of the immediate roadside prohibitions that have been issued were wrongly issued to people who were getting false readings on the basis of of, uh, residual mouth alcohol. And I think the government should be considering the results of this study very seriously. Uh, The police forces and RCMP in this province should be considering what steps they can make officers do to ensure that this doesn't happen um, to people and to ensure that people are getting reliable readings. We shouldn't just focus on punishing people, we should focus on collecting accurate information, um, reliable test results, and separating the innocent from the people who do deserve to be taken off the road. Okay, so what's next legally for you guys? You've done this work, you've unveiled what you think is a problem with uh, with the number of drivers that potentially could be out there and during um, uh, drunk driving designation when perhaps they weren't in the wrong. Uh, do you challenge the law? I mean, how do you proceed legally now that you have this information? Well, there is a constitutional challenge of the law that's going to the BC Court of Appeal. So, you know, this may uh, become part of the record at the Court of Appeal. Um, there's also uh, opportunities for us to use it in individual cases um, for people who, who call us and to get it before the BC Supreme Court by way of judicial review if the adjudicators don't accept this information. So we're now trying to figure out ways that we can use it, as well as calling on the government, of course, to take steps to do the right thing to ensure that nobody is wrongly punished. And that's just having that uh, that review period or that 15-minute standby period before each test. Yes, and it's a it's a very simple requirement. Um, it's easy for the officers to do. They're already trained on how to do it because they do it in criminal investigations. Um, so it's easy to import that into the immediate roadside prohibition scheme. And the importance of doing that outweighs, I think, any concerns about somebody being detained uh, for about 15 minutes. Interesting. Hey, final question before we have to let you go. Are you seeing any anybody coming to you with a, a marijuana impairment and saying, I don't think this is right? Can you can you help me out? We've had very little cases of cannabis-impaired driving. Um, I, I think the police in British Columbia are focusing largely on dealing with it through issuing 24-hour prohibitions as opposed to the full-on criminal investigations. Um, and I think that's wise uh, because it exposes them to less legal challenge and less legal risk. Um, but it also deals with the problem, which is just taking the person off the road for a short period of time in a way that doesn't result in potentially life-changing criminal conviction. Do you anticipate, though, you're going to see more of that uh, in, I don't know, the next months or, or years as this sort of whole legal marijuana thing matures and, and the police have, a I don't know, an evolving way of dealing with it? Absolutely. I mean, they're they're already testing new equipment and they're looking at new methods for detecting cannabis-impaired driving. And we also have a supply and access issue right now. And as we have more available cannabis, we're probably going to see more people, you know, using cannabis and then getting behind the wheel. Interesting stuff. Kyla, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking some time with us. Thanks for having me.